0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Right now, just a little insight into my world. Um, Owen just turned 13, so he's our oldest. So we officially have a teenager, which is awesome. Do not dread it, it's amazing. and so, you know, we're a, few, we're a few days into that, and it's fantastic. Um, but something that Owen and I are doing together, uh, it's kind of new this year, is that we're taking some time and we're just walking through a portion of Scripture together. And so we're walking right now through the Proverbs. And so we just read a little bit and we discuss, and we read a little bit and discuss. And as a part of that journey, I'm just kind of reading and rereading Proverbs. So I used to do that. Honestly, kind of on the calendar, every month I would read the book of Proverbs and kind of got away from that, reading other portions of scripture, but not really doing that every month, which is a great, if you've never done it before, I would encourage you to try it. It's uh, because you get almost a proverb a day every month. And so um, recently came through Proverbs chapter 18. And Proverbs chapter 18 uh, in verse 10 is the proverb we're going to look at tonight But if you don't know what the book of Proverbs is, it's a book about wisdom. It's a collection of wise sayings written by the wisest person who ever lived. That is a guy by the name of Solomon, who asked God to give him wisdom, and God honored that prayer and gave him wisdom, and through the writer, Solomon, the Holy Spirit, then inspired a book, a collection of wisdom known as the Proverbs that you'll find in the Old Testament. And so every one of these, I mean, we could, we could unpack, you could probably write volumes on any one of the Proverbs, but tonight we're going to spend just a few moments looking at one of them. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man or righteous woman runs into it and is safe. Somebody say that's good. Come on. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man or woman runs into it and is safe. I almost feel like going, ah, it's the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And I don't know how familiar, some of you have perhaps seen, we don't have a lot of castles around America. So you have to travel a lot of times outside the United States to see a castle. But that's one of the things I love about Europe is there are all these amazing castles. And on a, on a trip uh, several number of years ago, Becky and I were staying in the French Alps, which sounds really posh. It was kind of not that posh. But uh, we did, in our not very posh room, get a stay next to a castle. It's called it's called the Castle of Annecy, and it dates back to the 13th century. Here's a picture of it. Very pretty. Very um, pretty. We were not staying on this side. We were staying on the other side. Uh, this is like the, the bougie side. Um, we were staying on the other side. It was still very nice. We were like right up against it. I looked at a photo album because Becky is a meticulous picture taker and cataloger of our, just of our life. And so I said, do you have a picture of that castle? And sure enough, she was able to pull the exact album, which some of you are like, that's not that big a deal. It actually is. We have more albums than anybody else I know. Um, and she knew exactly where it was and pulled it down and has a picture of this castle. And I was going to scan that in for you. Um, but we were so close to it. I mean, we were right up on it. This is much uh, more picturesque in some ways than our view out of our hotel room. But you see these castles. It dated back, this castle dates back to the 13th century. The Count of Geneva. Lived in this castle. Kind of sounds like, ooh, yeah, wow. Uh, But as most castles that were built in history, the castle was a fortification. It was meant as a safe haven, not only the residence of the Count of Geneva, but a safe haven for the residents that surrounded that town so that if the town was attacked, they could run into the castle. They could run into the tower. When you go to, back to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, something that I am curious about perhaps, or I was curious about, and then I did a, little, did a little digging and perhaps you're curious about, is why Solomon says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Why doesn't he just say, the Lord is a strong tower? Or God is a strong tower. Those would be true statements. God is a strong tower. The Lord is a strong tower. But he doesn't say that. He says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Something that you kind of have to get a hold of is the fact that in Scripture, that a name was not just a label, an identity label. A name spoke to the character of a person. It was It was about the core of their identity, who they were, their character, their nature. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 9, look at this, and those who know your name, speaking of God, those who know your name put their trust in you. How do they know that they should put their trust in him? They know his name. They know what you're like. They know your character. They know you're trustworthy. They know Who you are and what you're about at the core of your being. They understand that you are good and you do good. And you are worthy of their trust. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. This is the reason that Solomon says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, you might have noticed this, that when you go to Proverbs 18.10 or even here in Psalm 9.10, that David the psalmist and Solomon are using the same name of God. So, God in scripture has a number of names that speak to his character and nature, but the most prominent name in the Old Testament is Lord or Yahweh, Yahweh, capital L O R D. There you go. Or in Hebrew, the way it's spelled is it's four Hebrew consonants Yod He, Vav He. So you see it right here, this is kind of how it's transliterated, but it's known as the Tetragrammaton, and that means four letters, so it's not, it sounds like a big word, means something really simple, Tetragrammaton, but it was the fearsome name of God. In fact, the Israelites were so concerned about taking the Lord's name in vain that they actually discontinued pronouncing Yahweh, and instead moved to Adonai. So when you're in reading Scripture and you see capital L, lowercase, O-R-D, that is the word Adonai, another designation for God. But they were so concerned that they reverenced the Lord because he is so awesome and he is so mighty. And the name Yahweh referred to the fact that God is the ever-existent. He There was never a time where God wasn't, okay? There's only one uncaused cause in the entire universe, and that's God. Everything else is a byproduct of what God set into motion, or what God has allowed in creation. But God is the only uncreated being, and Yahweh speaks to that uncreatedness. It speaks to that eternality. It speaks to that ever-existence. It speaks to his power and his might all the way through eternity past. That's Yahweh. In fact, this is the name that God introduces himself as to Moses, then, who is tasked with introducing God to the Israelites. He says, okay, as they're in captivity in Egypt, Moses says, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm reintroducing them to the God who called them and set them apart, the God of the patriarchs. Who am I to say is sending me? And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is Yahweh. He said, Say this to the people of Israel I am has sent you. The eternal, ever existent, all powerful creator God has sent you. Is that enough? I hope so. Doesn't get any bigger than that. Moses says, Okay. I go with that name. This is the fearsome name of God, the awesome name of God. And Solomon says, this is the name that we run to. We run to, but in order to understand verse 10, part of what you have to understand in what Solomon writes in verse 11, because not only does he say the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and are safe. That's pretty easy to understand. But verse 11 unpacks perhaps the hang up about that. Verse 11 says this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it to be a wall too high to scale. In other words, that there can be a tendency on the part of people with resource, instead of treating the name of the Lord as their strong tower and running to the name of the Lord for safety. They find it easier or they find it alluring to run to their wealth, it's what they know. But Solomon isn't picking on people with resource here. He's not picking on the rich, he's giving an example. Okay, think about the rich. If you're rich, your tendency may be to run to your money, thinking that will save you or that'll insulate you from trouble and you might even build a wall with it to kind of keep you from problems, but that's not the only way people don't end up running to the name of the Lord. Some people run to relationships. They run to him or they run to her. Okay, if I had that relationship, everything would be good because all of us run to something. That's Solomon's point. All of us are prone to run to something. All of us have that, if I had that, then I would be okay. Tendency. If my practice was established, when that happens, I'm going to be good. When my family's built out and we've got kids, oh, I'm going to feel so good about life, but I'm just waiting for that day. Or you know what? I'm on a career path, and if my career is stable, if things look good at work, then I feel good about life. If my marriage is in a good place, I feel good about life. I feel safe. I feel taken care of. I feel like I'm in a good place. And Solomon says, anything that you put your trust in, anything that you run to except... The name of the Lord won't work. he He says, they imagine. They imagine it is a wall too high to scale. In other words, it's not that the enemy can scale that wall. He can scale the wall of your career. He can scale the wall of your marriage. He can scale the wall of family. He can scale the wall of finances. He can scale the wall of health. None of that is a wall too high to scale. But any one of those things can create the illusion, if we buy into it, that if I've got this, then I'm okay. And Solomon says, don't believe it for a second. It won't work. Because in the day of trouble, and trouble will come, okay, everybody? Trouble will come. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be a moment or a lot of them where you need to run to the tower. Solomon's making that clear. The life of faith is not one where you don't need a tower. The life of faith is where you run to the right tower. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The relationship, not a strong tower. Might be a tower, but it's an illusion. It's here's And here's the thing. Satan loves to take good things and cause us to make them or tempt us to make them God things. We take a good thing, the career gift from God. God God put you in that career path. Awesome. He wants to do wonderful things through you. It's your calling. But if it becomes your strong tower, it won't work. God gave you that mate. Praise God for them. But if you're looking for them to save you, it won't work. They're not a strong tower. The name of the Lord is. You've got to keep it in perspective. This is part of what Solomon's talking about. You've got to run to the right tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So as we get ready to spend some time seeking the Lord, there are two implications that I want to point you to. The first is this that if the name of the Lord is going to be your strong tower, it's going to take intentionality on your part to cultivate a perspective that says, I only run to him. I only run to him. How do you cultivate a perspective, how do I cultivate a perspective where I say, God, I may be tempted to run to this, or to that, or run to what I know, or run to what I can see, but I'm only going to run to you. Well, that's, that's pent up in Solomon saying, I'm not just saying run to God, I'm saying run to the name of the Lord. In other words, the way that you intentionally cultivate that direction in your life is you rehearse what is bound up in the name of God. You rehearse the fact God is wise. You rehearse the fact in his presence, God, you are good. This is the power of worship. This is why I love that song. Even when I feel like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Why? You're rehearsing the fact that God is your strong tower. I'm rehearsing it. God, I'm rehearsing your goodness. God, I'm rehearsing your faithfulness. God, I'm rehearsing your trustworthiness. God, I'm rehearsing all the miracles. Part of the value of rehearsing all the miracles that he's done is it reminds us what is bound up in his name. There's a lot of things that humanity doesn't have an answer for, but there's not one thing God doesn't have an answer for. There's a lot of conditions that we haven't solved or remedied yet, but there is no condition he doesn't have a solution for. Nothing. There's nothing. Name of the Lord is a strong tower. So what you and I have to do is we have to intentionally chart a path to the tower. The second implication, I think this is honestly the bigger one. If you think about an ancient Near Eastern city, historians tell us that in order to utilize the tower, residents had to live within a 20-mile radius. That's kind of like as far as you could be out and the tower still be, or the city still be of use to you. And so all of these peasants and you know, farmers, it's an agrarian society. They intentionally position themselves in proximity to the tower. Because they understand that when the enemy comes, and they don't know. You don't know when the attack is going to come. You don't know when the, when the invading army is going to show up. All you know is, if they show up, I just need to know how far away I am from the tower. Because the further away I am from the tower, the harder it's going to be to get to safety. The harder it's going to be to get to the tower, and the more prone I am to look for safety somewhere else. But if you're close to the tower, if you're close, if you positioned yourself close to the tower, well then it's no problem. If you've you've actually oriented your life, everything about your life, close to the tower, then when the enemy attacks, you're right there, no big deal, I'm, I'm right by the tower, it's still an attack, it's still hard, but I know where safety's found and I can get there in a moment's notice. But how does that happen? That's a proximity issue. That's why what you're doing tonight is so valuable. Because what you chose to do in the middle of the week was to say, I'm going to position myself. If the name of the Lord is a strong tower, I'm going to get as close to him. At the middle of the week, me and my family, we're going to get next to the tower. We're going to orient everything. You know what? Hey, your career is great. Your marriage is great. Your kids are great. They're all a gift from God. Just make sure none of that is in the center of your life. Because what was in the center is the tower. Everything else revolved around the tower, everything else was oriented around the tower. You just have to make sure that in your life, if there's anything that's not oriented around the name of the Lord, around where God's presence is, and where God's purpose is for your life, that you get a hold of that and you reorient it, because if you want to run to the name of the Lord in the day of trouble, you got to be close to the tower of the Lord, and the name of the Lord today, you've got to be close. I guess my question is this. How close are you? How close are you tonight? We all know we can run there when we're in trouble. So maybe I should ask it this way. How far are you? Because the closer you get, the more of the benefits, the more of what happens when you're close to him you receive. I think about it as a dad. Do I want my kids to see me treat the name of the Lord? like an emergency switch. Oh, when we're in trouble, we're gonna pray, guys. We're gonna pray. If, if our back's up against the wall, we're gonna call on God. Well, I want them to know that if we're in trouble, we can call on God. Absolutely, I want them to know that. But I want them to know that God desires to walk with them. God desires to empower them. God desires to strengthen them. God desires to give them peace. God desires to surround them with his presence. And that if they will walk daily with him, he will do so much more in their life than rescue them from an emergency situation. He will guide them. He will order their steps. He will make the path straight. He will speak to them. He will lead them. He will direct them. He will guide them.